Dear friend, you can grow your personal and business brand by creating a strong network through podcasting. Create real human connections, have the ability to share your story and interesting point of view. To get started, you can make use of the special offer for friends of this podcast, which is on kitcaster.com slash mirror. K-I-T-C-A-S-T-E-R dot C-O-M slash M-I-R. R-R-O-R. The link and further instruction or details will be found in the show notes for this episode. Thank you. Do not forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you listen to this on. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Mirror Talk Podcast. Your moment of greatness starts now. I am delighted to be speaking with a former employee at Apple, Capital One, and AT&T. He is currently the CEO and founder of Tozi Capital, an highly experienced real estate investor with $100 million assets under management. How are you doing, Eng? Thanks for having me. Hi, Toby. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Mirror Talk Podcast. I am so delighted to learn a lot from you today. I, I found out on, on LinkedIn that you were born at, in a refugee camp mm-hmm. in Thailand before your parents moved to the USA to, or to America. Can you share your immigrant story with me as well as your life experience up to this moment? Yeah. Uh, so my background, ethnic background, is Cambodian Chinese. Uh, my parents grew up in Cambodia. And that specific ethnic background was um, persecuted during the reign of uh, Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge, which is... Um, a fairly genocidal period um, in Cambodia uh, during the and you know right before right after the Vietnam War there was a lot of chaos in that region um, and so I was born in a refugee camp in Thailand but this is more my parents story and I've, I heard so many crazy you know tales um, reminds me of a lot of what happened in World War II um, where you know, there were there would be soldiers coming in the middle of the night and abducting uh, people, and you never see them again. Um, mm-hmm. And so my my dad would go from house to house, and you know, try to make sure you know there's a lookout and get sent for his uh, wife and son. His son being my older brother, and mm-hmm. I, and I heard the story of how he was drugged so that he wouldn't cry during the jungle march through um, Cambodia to Thailand. Um, so I, I was born in a refugee camp chasing chickens. Um, <laughs> I have lots of, I have some pictures of me in a straw hut and, um, uh, but then I, I was there for maybe a year and a half I went to Philippines to, mm. uh, afterwards to, um, I think prep, I guess, for sponsorship to America. A lot of Cambodians of that era either went to California where I went to, or uh, Paris, where a lot of my cousins are, and I stayed there for a summer. Uh, so, uh, that so I, I I grew up then in California and Southern California, in Los Angeles. Um, came here when I was three years old. Um, grew up pretty poor. I didn't. I remember my first place I lived in was in a garage with my whole family, um, uh, and I don't think I've ever had a my own bed until I went to college. Uh, mm. And even when I went back from college to, you know, to visit my parents' um, house, 
I would still have to sleep with my, my brother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was only a full size bed. I, I think they could have gone for a king size. Uh, <laughs> things are much different now. I have a lot mm. more abundance and a lot more uh, material goods. Um, mm. But I, I, you know, when growing up poor, I, I think when you grow up poor like I did, I don't think you think about it as much as if you never had it. And um, we were, my parents didn't have a lot of education, unlike a lot of Asian immigrants or even yeah, immigrants in general. Uh, they never went to high school uh, or grade school. My mom told me stories of how she would have some back pains from carrying a stick and two bales of water, um, you know, miles from village to get fresh water for herself. Mm -hmm. uh, I've since gone back to Cambodia and it's a boom town now that China's investing significantly into it. Uh, yeah. But it, it, it definitely is still very third world or very um, poor. Um, uh, and I'm always grateful and lucky to have had the opportunity to immigrate, uh, immigrate and grow up in the circumstances I, I do now. And I, I just had a son, a uh, second son. So I have two sons, a two-year-old and a three-month-old. And I always think to myself, man, these guys are going to be so spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on your second son. Thank yeah. you. So uh, how, how did this um, humble childhood of yours or, no, or background of yours um, you know, form your life at this point? How did it form your mindset or how did it influence um, the way you live now? I think I've always been motivated to earn and make money um, because of the lack of it and sort of the need for security. Mm. It's always been, I, I've always been entrepreneurial, I believe. Um, you know, when I was in grade school, I would buy a pack of cards, uh, tradable cards, and then sell them to the other kids uh, for retail prices and buy wholesale, sell retail. Um, mm -hmm. And I would always uh, try to find a way to make money. Um, so when I was 16, I started day trading. Back when there was really no mobile internet and mm -hmm. I had to go to the library to go, uh, go to uh, my, my uh, platform of choice and day trade penny stocks. This was around 2000. I made a pretty good amount of money. I, I was able to afford college because of that. Um, mm -hmm. I've always been good at data and economics. And so that's where I studied. I went to Wharton for business school. Um, but how my background uh, informed my decisions was I've always wanted to have a strong why. You know, mm -hmm. wanted to lift my parents out of poverty. Wanted to help my family out. I have three siblings and two parents and you know some extended family that for in america um the cambodian ethnic group is one the top i think the second or the third poorest in america um so definitely not a monolith like all the other uh, agents which you know has a wide variety of success um, but we were always still focused on education like many immigrants seeing that as a path towards security and being from an insecure place before, it was always about, okay, how could we earn? How could we make money? Um, but for me, I didn't really have any guidance. My, you know, my, I didn't know, I didn't have an uncle or dad or somebody who went to corporate America. So mm. I just sort of followed brands and went to figure out 
where could I make money and have strong why to help support my family to do so. Yes, oh, that, that's awesome. So it's not like the, um, the rich, crazy Asian um, kind of story, but you know, much more humble and yeah, mm-hmm. relatable story. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, but t- talking, about, talking about our brands, um, you went ahead to you know, work with Apple before becoming um, the founder and the CEO of um, Tozi Capital. Mm-hmm. You worked with Apple for about five years. Um, how was it like working for you know, such a big tech company, especially in the data science and analyst, um, analytic departments? I like to think that I had at least seven careers in my life. I started investment banking, I went to marketing, I did financial finance and product. And at Apple, I had three separate careers. I started in iPhone business management, um, really forecasting iPhone sales. I got mm-hmm. the iPhone 6S right. I, I missed the seven cycle. Uh, did not get that right. Uh, we underproduced, and so that's why there was always a lag in terms of uh, demand and supply. Um, mm-hmm. And then I moved to Apple Music to uh, help build product for Apple, uh, growing the subscription base. And then finally moved to um, data science. And I always think of myself as somebody who loves a challenge and learning, lear, uh, love learning new things. So Apple is a very good place because in a big company, you have lots of different little functions. And if you work across many functions, you have the ability to meet people. And if, for, for those who are, uh, are asking or maybe wondering, how do you get, how do you pivot careers? The best way is actually to work with somebody in that career and then see and then just show value. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, you can get an MBA, you can do all that stuff. That just resets your expectations of people. Um, but getting, you know, making those ne- network connections internally was very helpful. Working at a big Apple tech company um, like Apple, you know, had a lot of perks. Uh, I worked at a $5 billion facility, the new Apple spaceship campus. Uh, I had a very high uh, four-story office, a top office. Um, we didn't have free food, but it was very good food. Um, unlike my fellow employees at Facebook and Google, they had free food. I always gripe about, about that to this day, how Apple <laughs> was is a really rather cheap company uh, relative to other tech companies. Obviously, to more traditional companies, not, not as much. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, you were able to learn a lot from you know, changing departments and learning um, from different um, facilities there or different yeah, um, areas of specialization there. Yeah. 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 Oh, that, that's that's great. So you know, um, it's really inspiring and um, encouraging encouraging to see people uh, you know pursuing their um, passions in life. So, what motivated you to you know leave a big tech company like that, like Apple, to start something of your own? What was the the push the motivation? Yeah, uh, it's an interesting story because I left in the middle of a pandemic, during mm. a potential recession, uh, during the fact that my wife was seven months pregnant um and yeah having a lot of job security and that's that's all i've been sort of pushed towards job security when you go poor you really want security you want that safety and that's why a lot of immigrants they push you to be a professional because professionals you know doctors lawyers etc engineers um the safety of math and you know binary yes no is really powerful because you can't. It's harder for somebody judgmental judges 
somebody to judge you based on your background or your 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 um your experiences if you are able to deliver as an engineer it's a fairly it's a fairly uh, known meritocracy um and so for immigrants in america we've always been pushed toward those meritocracy type roles um but those aren't the roles that actually make a lot of money because those are, the executive roles are potentially the less meritocracy roles, more political roles. Um, I have always been investing in real estate since 2009. I invested right after the financial crisis. I saw very clearly that I could make money with capital I, I made from my salary, and I've been buying real estate every year ever since. And by the time I was ready to quit Apple, by the time I quit Apple, I had enough passive income, meaning enough rent from my properties to sustain myself and actually more than my Apple income. And for those in America, real estate is a very tax advantage instrument, meaning that the income I get, I'm almost, tax, almost always tax-free if done right, um, versus my active W-2 income, my active Apple income, which is highly taxed. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was an easy transition because I had that safety net. I built it over time. It was purpose built. I've always wanted to have that security based on passive income, not my own internal work and uh, whatever you know my manager thought I was I would deserve at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Tozi Capital is a real estate investment company, and it's a natural offshoot of what I love doing, which is I love investing in real estate. I love telling people about it and. And helping people about it. Uh, in the past, I've always told people, my friends, colleagues, whoever, you should do this, you should invest in that, in real estate mostly. Um, mm-hmm. And some people listen to me, some people haven't. Some people want to invest with me. I didn't really want to take anyone's money until I was comfortable. I was really confident in my own abilities to make uh, a great return on investment. And mm-hmm. so that I felt very comfortable last year and the year before. and. Since then, we've acquired $100 million of assets. We've returned a lot of money to investors. A lot of our investors made a lot of money. Um, and I think we're growing every day. It's, I'm taking the same learnings I've always had, which is very economic, data-driven learning that I've taken from my investment banking career, my forecasting career, my product career, my data science career, and applying it to real estate, creating um, m- models and understanding hyper-local targeting for every every house and property and knowing that this is an undervalued property and this is overvalued and using all those models to really make great acquisition decisions. And I think, that, I think it's been very exciting, the fact that I left Apple and have in the middle of a pandemic where I'm not able to talk to anybody and I very rarely able to travel. And I do all this over Zoom. <laughs> wow. That's t- talking about, you know, um, taking risks, right? Um, is, is, that something, is that something one has to learn? Like, um, you know, the best time to, you know, take actions or the best, the best time to take risks? Is there something like that or you just follow your guts? You know, I, I think some of this was out of my circumstance. You know, y- you always take um, the pandemic as an example. Yeah. I don't think I could have started this without that happening. Mm. I don't. I think I would have probably had 
um, if I was in my old job, by the way, my previous job for Siri, um, I, I, I think I would probably been way too busy to think about starting a new career. Um, in my new job, I was that's more purposeful in terms of making time for my side hustle, which became my main hustle. Um, the security of, of, of an income became less dependent because I had built up that passive income. You know, every time I, I had bought another property and I wasn't making that much money before, every time I bought another property, I could make bigger risks in my career. Meaning, I know I had $1,000 coming in a month and I could go to my boss and negotiate more and take bigger risks. Stuff that potentially if you're always scared of losing, then you're never going to gain as much. Um, and so that allowed me to really quickly accelerate my career and I think both come hand in hand. Oh, that's good. So for someone out there, a listener out there who wants to you know, get across to Tosi Capital, um, what should he or she you know, be expecting from Tosi Capital? What are the services that you offer and um, how can the, um, the person you know get across to you um, to maybe invest or to start something? Mm -hmm. um, so, what Tozi Capital does is really it's an extension of my investment philosophy, which is I invest for cash flow, meaning high yield returns and tax benefits. Um, mm -hmm. So, I'm invest. I'm essentially going out to the market, making a hundred offers on buildings, and then putting maybe getting one or two of them under contract and then doing a lot of legwork to make sure they're a great asset, doing the due diligence, everything. By the time it's ready to be an investable asset, I've done all that work. I've put in the money and secured the asset and now I'm essentially gonna buy it and investors, people who go to my website and friends and colleagues and referrals can come in and see the property, see what it is and tell and then decide oh i like to participate in that at a fractional share so we all are shareholders of an entity investment entity that owns the property that property then gives cash flow through rent to the shareholders pro rata mm -hmm. their um, contribution and we all make money like that it's like lots of security instruments except that you get all the um, tax benefits of direct ownership uh, and it just allows us to scale and diversify our risks yeah. okay so what's the best way to you know um, get across to you for example in case I, I'm interested um, in investing in real estate yeah I would love for you, anyone to you know check out our website Tozi Capital T-O-U-Z-I Capital C-A-P-I-T-A-L dot com mm -hmm. um, and sign up you know you can then check out our investments we'll schedule a call with you guys uh, and you know, get to know you, understand your investment goals and what you're trying to achieve. Um, I have lots of different investments. I don't think it's one size fits all. I want to make sure this is a valuable learning opportunity and education for um, people to learn about being an investor. I think all of us should be a, a, a professional investor. That's really our final careers. That means putting our money to work and not working so hard for our money. Following your story, you know, coming from a very humble background to being in a state of abundance right now, um, 
and also having experiences with tech companies. You know, you've worked at um, AT&T, for example, you've worked at Capital One, you've worked with Apple, and now you're, you're founder and CEO of Tozi Capital. What do you think make, um, makes people successful in their adventures in life? I think being flexible is a very big factor in my success, meaning you have to be flexible in what you're willing to do, wanting to do. You can't just be narrowly focused on one specific thing. You should have a North Star. You should have a reason why, an overriding moral compass, yes. But you don't need to just be so rigid because things change all the time. If you are an adaptable person, a flexible person, you will adapt to circumstances. Every time there's a downturn in the economy, it creates the most millionaires. So you always have to be ready for that. And for me, you know, I've changed careers many times. If I just stuck to one career, I, maybe I would have been more specialized and I had more um, growth. But I could have been I could have been trapped or been stuck at a certain level. But I've always been moving, and I, and that allowed me to also be a constant learner. So being a f really adaptable and flexible, you know, it's now that I'm in investment world, I'm always considering what investments are good, I shouldn't just focus on one thing because that thing could not be a good asset anymore. I have to yeah. keep focus shifting. So you have to be always on the hunt and flexible. Yes. Oh, that's, that's, yes. Always be, always be flexible. Always be, we are moving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how do you manage, <laughs> how do you manage, you know, to be adaptable and flexible? Like when do you know, as in, it, it could be very, very, very difficult or challenging for someone to say, um, I'm going to adapt to this situation because sometimes, you know, you have your belief, you have your, um, you know, you have your, 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 your thinking, for example, how do you, you know, combine all the circumstances, for example, um, in a pandemic and say, okay, I'm going to be adaptable. I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to move with the flow and, you know, make some changes. I think if you're starting, you know, you're trying to grow right now and, and I'm trying to grow, I'm always trying to grow. You want to say yes to a lot of things. You want to say yes to as many things as possible in your own mind and don't think that this is something that is outrageous or unachievable. Just, just, just the internet now. You can Google anything. You can figure out how to do things. Mm -hmm. um, I've achieved so much because I've just said, I think I'm going to do that. And then two months later, I did it. Um, mm -hmm. and, just, and just having that mindset of strong belief that I can, I can learn. I, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to do that specifically right now, but I have the strong belief in myself to learn. And I, I strongly believe in myself that nothing's too complicated. Mm -hmm. um, so right now I love to experiment. I love to say yes to a lot of things. I love to quickly then find out that this isn't worth my time and I'll say mm -hmm. no to it quickly, but yes. I like to test and experiment and learn and learn different things you know mm. i have traveled to 40 countries i have had at least eight jobs distinct mm. jobs very mm. different from each other um <laughs> and i've and i'm only 36 years old right now just, mm. um uh, and have invested in more than 20 assets um everything has been a learning experience and i'll continue to learn so i will con you know everything is cumulative in your life. You should say yes to as many experiences as possible and quickly identify what you don't like. 
I think it's it's not a great thing to just focus on. I want to find my passion. I want to follow my passion. I think it's better potentially to find out what I'm not passionate about, experience mm -hmm. so many different things, mm -hmm. um, and and you know be open to different prospects and people. And um, you know, for me, being an entrepreneur, I've learned the most not necessarily from reading books or um, taking classes. It's meeting people and saying yes to conversations that lead to interesting and exciting opportunities. Yes, I, I like that. S saying yes to um, things that leads to interesting conversations or leads to greater things actually in life. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, you know, um, I, I'm curious to ask about this because I think I also have a similar background or um, experience being, as I'm being in, Jam in Germany, for example, but coming from Nigeria. So um, as an Asian in the USA, um, how is that for you? The, you know, the, different cultures, how, how is that like for you? Do you, do you stay in, a, in an Asian community or do you mix around, um, you know, with other people? Mm -hmm. And how do you integrate both cultures? So as an Asian American growing up in Asia, when I did, um, you always strive, strive for security. And security means assimilation. Assimilation mm -hmm. means sort of trying to be part of the group and blend in as much as possible. I was never really one to do that, so it didn't work well for me. Um, I think it led me to have a t thick skin of, you know, when I grew up, lots of people would ask, where are you from? And it's like, I'm like, I'm from there. And like, that's my house. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you talking about? Like, like we go to the same school together. Like, what are you talking about? I'm from, I grew up in California. What are you talking about? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and never really internalizing it until I had my first son, who looks very Asian and can't change his appearance and realizing that, you know, my, um, uh, I can only create a world that he doesn't have to answer where he's from mm -hmm. because he's from here. He was born here. He yes. only knows this place. Mm -hmm. Um, and so uh, in, in America, I, I grew up in very blended communities. Um, uh, and then when I went to college, I was almost always, the few, I was always a minority, and in every workplace, I was always the, probably all Donny East Asian person. Um, and that's you know, as I rose up the executive ranks, I would have a counterpart, which is you know, an elder white guy um, across from me, and so I would be managing a lot of them. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was interesting, uh, and realizing that quickly there was a bamboo ceiling of I don't think there's anyone like me above me. I don't know if they're, they're ready for that and realizing that I had to quickly make my own way. Mm -hmm. um, interesting enough, I was in the Peace Corps. So for those who don't know, uh, that's a state-sponsored program for Americans to go abroad for two years to volunteer in a remote village. Mm -hmm. I went to the Peace Corps, volunteered in the Republic of Georgia, which is um, you know, next to Russia. And mm -hmm. this is right after the time that Russia invaded Georgia. And I was the only Asian person there. Everyone called me Jackie Chan. Um, <laughs> I played up to that stereotype because lots of guys were bigger and bur burlier and had big beards, and they were 14 years old. Uh, and 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 I, you know, I said, okay, sure, I'll play that stereotype because, because um, uh, they thought I knew kung fu, even though I didn't. Um, 
and I think you just get used to these things, you know. I, from maybe outside perspective, it's obviously not great. If you were if you were uh, African American going to Peace Corps in that place, everyone would think of you as a rapper or um, whatever they saw on culture TV, right? They mm. people only know what they've seen before. So for me, it was the first time for a lot of people to see someone like me, and I had to represent this whole billion people in mm. every place I went. I would get stares. I would take people take random pictures. Every place I would go, I would get pictures taken of me and I traveled to 40 countries and half the countries I've always been the distinct individual in that group so mm. that's giving me thick skin that's giving me an uh, understanding of sort of I don't think I fought anybody I always just think that people aren't as um, worldly or understanding or exposed to these things I've seen so many things I nothing phases me I've, I've um, uh, and so I would like to make sure my my kids have the same upbringing of being worldly and exposed and tolerant and uh, understanding. Um, and so the more people like me are on American culture, TVs, movies, I think it would be easier. You know, with BTS being the most popular uh, band it's nowadays, yeah, you know, I think it's being in vogue now to be Asian a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that the younger generation um, can find a little more confidence. Uh, yes. I think I've always had that self-confidence, but I think yeah, it in a culture where you know, people can clearly see who you are mm. and see that you're different and mm. will pick on you and ask you where you're from all the time, even though I mean, your grandparents were born here and like that's a, just a confusing question. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. That's that's true. That's good. And, uh, you know, I'm also open for that too for, um, you know, not, not, not only for the Asians, but for other, you know, races that are out of their, you know, their, their land or their countries. Because um, I, I have this, I have some friends or some people that tell me, oh, if I were, you know, you know, a citizen, for example, or if I, if I were from this country, for example, I would have, you know, achieved this position, I would have gotten to this position, I would have been able to get this job, for example. So were there like um, obstacles that you have to face in your, you know, career um, or your, you know, endeavors um, because you were, you know, because you are different, as you said earlier. Are there like some, um, you know, obstacles or challenges that you faced? I think there's been a lot of obstacles I've faced. Um, I don't really dwell on them too often. I know mm. that I've, I've also have a lot of fortune. Mm. I, I think I have a lot of gratitude for that. I am, I think I'm very smart. Uh, I have a, a very strong in quantitative skills and math. Um, you know, I was a poker player and I made a lot of money from poker and I um, was a day trader and I made a lot from day trading because I know data patterns and that's never been something that someone can never guess what my my race is, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of that just produces um, just like sports. Um, but I think there has been lots of times where I've been passed over for advances or things because people can't relate to me. People don't, you know, people want to feel comfortable. And when you're hiring somebody, you're probably thinking, I've seen this person as a CEO uh, or a executive because mm -hmm. all the people look like that person. Mm -hmm. And that means that anyone new, anyone different can never breaking that field, so when that, that person has to be exceptional. That person has to be twice as good as the other person. 
Yeah. So if you're uh, a good-looking white guy in America, you have so many other people who are good-looking white guys that are executives. And so you have, you know, people can see it, right? People don't really, aren't as creative or imaginative because they can only think about what you were and what they've seen of what you were as something um, that they can relate to until you break that barrier and break that exposure. Yeah. So you have to just keep on breaking gas and sorry, glass ceilings and breaking, you know, making sure I'm showing, showing yourself as, you know, what, uh, worthy of, you know, whatever position you are going for um, being twice the best in, in any situation or just, yes, striving to be the best. So if, if I could, you know, go back into real estate, because, um, I find it very interesting. Um, there's something like, you know, the, the compounding power of real estate investing or um, the opportunity zones that um, one should should look into. So for a, a for a newbie like me, myself, or anyone out there that's listening, wh- what are the, you know, opportunity zones that one should look into? Or does, does um, Tozi Capital help with that? I can just come to you and tell me, and you tell me, okay, um, Toby, invest in this, re- in this um, zone, invest in this zone, just give us the capital and we, you know, <laughs> We'll go from there and give you your, 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 your money at the end of the month. Yeah. Uh, I think real estate investing is such a great way to uh, build wealth. And in America, it's, I think, around 90% of millionaires are built from real estate. Mm. Uh, uh, tech is, an, you know, tech has been creating a lot of real estate inv- um, millionaires lately. But I remember being at Apple and talking to my directors, my VPs, folks who were making more money than me and realizing that their only asset was the stock that they had and the house that they had. And they had to keep working for their money. They they were making a lot of money, for sure. Um, Buying real estate, I think it's such a great thing that you should start however you can. If you can start with somebody experiences us, that's pretty good too. I don't want to just say you should just invest with us, but that's a way to hack the system to be able to, you know, invest side by side with experts who have done it on a hundred million dollars of properties that have acquired and built a great resume. And we can leverage scale together because if you buy a single family house, you buy something small, there's a lot of variance that happens. One Mm -hmm. tenant can go bad, right? You can have a bad tenant. They might you might need to evict them because of something. They have a rabbit. And this is like uh, something that actually happened to my one of my places. Um, that variance means there's a lot of outcomes that the standard deviation outcomes is very high. And for the most part, you can have a really great outcome. I think, I think that's generally the case. But in some instances, you could have a terrible outcome and you would never invest in real estate again. And that's a shame. And so when you invest with something like us, you have, instead of one property, one unit, you have 500 or 200 units. And if one person goes bad, that's a small variance, right? That the variance of outcomes is very tight. It becomes more predictable. It's all math. And so we take everything at scale. Our variable cost is lower. Our fixed cost is lower. We are able to produce more returns than if you were investing yourself. And a lot of our investors are people who have invested in real estate before and realized, ah, this is a lot of work. I don't want to have to invest, work this hard to, to make money. So we yeah. create the structures in place so that you just earn a monthly check at the end of the day. 
as a passive income investor. You get all the same benefits of being an investor yourself, the same tax mm -hmm. benefits, mm -hmm. and you, oftentimes you get more returns. I feel like since we've not been able to talk about that, you would love to, you know, let the listeners know about, like maybe there's a young immigrant out there, there's a young guy or a young lady or a young individual out there that is struggling or so I'm trying to be successful in life. Is there something you would love to tell that person? If you're struggling to be successful in life, but you're already thinking about being successful, you're already ahead of the game. Mm. A lot of people aren't even thinking about that. A lot of people are depressed or they're, they're not, they haven't even thought about the possibility. And if you're an immigrant, you have so much going for you. You have a hunger that a lot of people won't have. And that hunger and the desire to move forward is and improve your life. It's going to make it that you're very resilient, that you're face overcome a lot of obstacles that I failed many, many times. I've been fired at many jobs and I've always spun it to then get a better job. I think you should be grateful for what you have and know that you have a long life ahead of you, that there's so many opportunities um, because if you're just listening to this podcast now, you're probably ahead of the game in terms of wanting to self-learn and self-develop. Right? That's just the number one thing to always be focused on that. Um, and if you're an immigrant and you think you have all these obstacles, you're right, but that's okay. A lot of people in a lot of other places will have other worse obstacles, worse uh, positions. You should be grateful and that allows you to think more abundantly. When I was an immigrant, when I was poor, I had a very scarcity mindset, meaning that I would save everything, I would hoard everything. When now I've become a little more uh, free, uh, I'm very abundance mindset, meaning I think I can do more. I think I have more. So I don't worry as much. I think I will partner more, I will give more, I will do more. And it's, I never think of this as the only thing you'll ever get. If you, ever, if you think of something as the only thing you ever get, you hold on it too tight. And, you, and if it's a dream, by the way, you hold on to it tight and you can crush the dream. Hmm. Know that you have many more dreams. Wow. I, I love that. I love that. Like, if you think you, you, will have, you will have this one dream, you hold on to it tight and you could crush it. And once you crush it, you, you won't be able to fulfill or go ahead with the dream. The dream is dead. It's gone. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. Thank you so much, Eng, for your time. I really appreciate everything I was able to learn from you today. It was a wonderful conversation for me. I really enjoyed speaking with you and learning from you, actually. It was a pleasure, Toby. Wow, you made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.